Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Heavenly Father, again, we open up this ancient book. As we were singing that song, Ancient Words, I I was struck with the oddity that we distinguish that ancient book into old and new. And yet what we call new is nearly 2,000 years old. But the marvel is, Father, you make your word new every day. And we pray that this day you would make the words that we share from this ancient book to be as though it's the first time we've heard them. And they might strike us with, with impact even as when they were first written or uttered. So Father, bless us by them for they are your word to us today. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, on to perfection. Now, that's the title of this sermon series on the book of James that we began all the way back in the month of February of this year. Only a couple of passages still remain. Perfection is James' term for maturity in Christ. He doesn't mean being sinlessly perfect. We just got done praying a prayer of admission that even this week we fell short of what God would want for us. We need to confess those sins. In fact, James told us last week that we need to confess our sins to one another. Come clean. Be open. And understand that, that we share this, uh, this life walk together. And so perfection is not sinlessly perfect, sin, uh, perfect, but it really means to be mature in Christ. Even to know how to handle sin when it creeps into our lives. I could have titled this series, How to Be a Fully Grown-Up Christian. Because that's what James was encouraging his readers to be. Here's another title that would have worked. How to handle life as a follower of Jesus Christ. This is the way that those who have grown in Christ and are not just baby Christians any longer, this is the way they function. And James is saying, if you learn to function in these ways, you will discover that you are gaining maturity in your Christian life. Now, over these past few months, we've identified almost 30 life situations that we followers of Jesus Christ must learn to handle if we would be some of those fully grown-up Christians. And we've gone through them one by one by one. We could probably start right over at the front of the list and, and work our way through them again. Don't ever throw the book of James away. Make sure it stays in your Bible. 
Read through it. Review these messages when we're done. They're all recorded for you and saved on our church website. And every now and then, one of them might come into play in your life. Now, the title of today's message, in preparation for our time of communion with our Savior, is Handling Prayer Well. Would you believe you can handle prayer badly? Don't raise your hand. We won't ask for personal testimonies here. But is there anybody in this room that would say, you know, there's a time I prayed very badly about something. And then you can remember, well, what makes a prayer bad? How about when I'm telling God off? How about when I'm praying something that's just not even right? There is something called handling prayer well. And knowing that when we're doing it, we're doing it in the way that a mature Christian would. And so that's what we're focusing on today. Now, last Sunday's message that was titled Handling Sickness, it ended with this directive. James says, pray for one another. Now, somebody's praying for you. Wouldn't you like to know they're doing it well? not just taking out their own kind of irritations in your direction through the throne of God. Oh, God, would you just... No, you don't want them to start their prayers for you that way. We want people to be praying for us well. We want to pray for others the way that would really be honoring to God and would, you might say, catch the ear of God and and motivate the, the ministry of God on their behalf. James says that's, a, that's something we should do for one another. Pray for one another. This could even include praying for yourself. Pray that you might be healed. That would mean brought to a place of wholeness in their life, in your life. So he said that last week. Here's the very next line, really, in that, uh, that statement. Today's key scriptures, a follow-up, it's James chapter 5, verse 16b, last week's was 16a, the first part of it. We start right out with the second part of verse 16, on through 18, and here's how it goes. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Isn't that a great statement? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Wouldn't it be great to run into one of them? A righteous person that you could say, would you pray for me? Because your prayers are powerful and effective. James just makes that statement. It's a promise. It's a truth. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And then he gives an example of such a person. He says, Elijah was a man, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. Now, Elijah lived 700 years before James wrote those words. So now it's nearly 3,000 years before our reading of them. But Elijah's an example for us. You see, prayer, prayer simply put, is an appeal to the Father. 
an appeal to the Father, a petition, a request, a desperate cry even. Now, James is saying that prayers accomplishes something. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It doesn't go unheard and it doesn't go unheeded. So out of that passage today, just briefly, I'd want to share with you three observations that that really arise from or are suggested by that passage we just read. Here's the first one. According to what James is saying here, only the righteous can possibly handle prayer well. We're talking about praying properly. He just says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So wouldn't it follow? Only the righteous can possibly handle prayer well. Now that's something to think about for a minute. How many prayers that are aimed in God's direction are offered by those who are righteous? How many of them are offered simply by human beings who are in some kind of trouble or who are engaging in some kind of a religious ritual? God Almighty is unwaveringly righteous. He always thinks right, feels right, and does right. And James is saying, really, that God hears and heeds the prayers that are offered to him by others like himself. God is righteous, and he's listening for prayers, requests, petitions that come to him from people who are righteous. Where he can say, now that's someone like me offering this prayer. And it gets his ear. God is unwaveringly righteous. But praise God, in addition to being unwaveringly righteous, God Almighty is also, we have discovered, magnificently merciful. And he's inconceivably gracious. And in testimony of such mercy and grace on our Heavenly Father's behalf, we declare this morning that, one, all born again, all those who have been born again through faith in Jesus Christ, have put their trust in Christ as their Savior, not in their own good works, not in anything they're doing, but have put their faith in what Jesus has done his perfect life, his complete sacrifice, all born again have been, what? Declared righteous by God himself. Wouldn't you like, if you're a student, wouldn't you like your teacher to give you an A on your exam before you take it? (laughs) Now, you know, those of you who've gone through school, teachers being part of the fallen human race as well as everyone else. (laughs) Teachers sometimes have what have become known over the years. It's a a high-level educational term, but it's the term teacher's pet. 
Anybody here ever been one? Ah. Anybody here ever known someone who others call the teacher's pet? Teachers never admit they have pets. But they're the ones who just say, I did, this is an A student. This is an A student. That person has an A before they take the test. If they do badly, the teacher says, wow, for an A student, he really was off his game today. But he's an A student. His report card is going to reflect that. I am going to declare him or her an A student. Well, this says God declares those who put their faith in Jesus Christ to be righteous. Whether we're actually living righteously or not. Because none of us in this world can ever get to that level. We can never live perfectly righteously. Only Jesus could. But we are told in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that in Christ, in Christ, we become, Paul says, the righteousness of God. And God the Father, the judge over all, looks upon himself, his son, looks upon those who put their faith in his son, and he says, in my eyes, they are righteous. So any prayer they pray, I'm going to consider to have come from a righteous man, a righteous woman. I've declared them that way. God doesn't say they are automatically mature. He says, I declare them to be righteous with the righteousness my son purchased, you might say, for them or gave to them. So those who are born again through faith in Jesus Christ are declared by God to be righteous. So the first part of this, uh, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. All those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, I trust it's all of us. In God's eyes, we are righteous. When we pray, this prayer is coming from one that he recognizes as having access to him, a righteous one. That's good news. All born again have been declared righteous by God himself. Secondly, praise God again, in addition to being declared righteous, we see all those who are born again, they have been gifted with pneuma, the very spirit of God, who perfects their prayers. We want to have effective prayers. We want to have powerful prayers. We have been declared righteous, but that doesn't immediately give us the, the, all the abilities to just speak God's language, as it were. And here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. He says, now the spirit, that's just that Greek word pneuma, which we have over the last few years taken to just designate the Holy Spirit, pneuma. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. He gets involved in praying for us righteous ones and assisting our prayers. Paul says, in effect, Numa enhances our prayers, he says in that Romans chapter 8, with, with some kind of utterances, some kind of groanings that King James used. English word, groanings, sounds, utterances. The Holy Spirit enters into and adds to our prayers 
these utterances that, that fall pleasingly on the Father's ears. And so our prayers become enhanced. Numa causes the prayers of the Father's born-again children to be powerful and effective. You could say he's our backstop and he's our guarantee. We pray, trusting that the Spirit is with us, the Spirit is, is enabling us, and we're bringing our prayers to the Heavenly Father who receives us because he views us as one of his own. Now here's the second observation I'd share this morning. And though it doesn't really arise right out of our passage, it announces a vitally important truth concerning this topic. Here's the second observation. Handling prayer well means praying prayers that are consistent with biblical teaching. See, if we pray prayers that are biblically wrong, how does the Father receive them? He would probably first say, I've got to get that guy straightened out. He or she doesn't understand biblical truth. They're praying something that just isn't biblically right. I can never answer a prayer that isn't biblically right. So handling prayer well means first coming into God's presence as one that he recognizes as his own, a righteous person through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, but also saying things that are true rather than false. Sometimes we say things that we want very, very badly, but it's just biblically wrong. So a well-handled prayer needs to be kind of according to some guidelines, and here's just a couple I'd share with you this morning. Number one, a well-handled prayer is always consistent with the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? We really don't know how to do it, and we want to do it well. We want our prayers to be powerful and effective like yours are. How can we pray without just repeating somebody else's uh, notions? And so Jesus taught them how to pray, didn't he? Thousands upon thousands of times, millions, I'm sure, times, the Lord's Prayer has been repeated. Now, sometimes the Lord's Prayer is repeated by people who aren't righteous. They're just repeating it because it's words they're reading. It's words they've been taught. But for one who has given their life to Christ, who has been born again, forgiven of their sins that the Father has recognized as righteous, now when you pray that Lord's Prayer as a righteous person, every one of those words are special to you. And here's one of the key ones. Matthew 6.10, Jesus says, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The Lord's Prayer provides a framework for all prayer. Telling God that we want his good and perfect will to be done is always a well-handled prayer. God loves to hear that prayer. It's a prayer that will be powerful and effective. Imagine the Heavenly Father saying, if you were just repeating the Lord's Prayer or praying a prayer that's consistent with telling him in the midst of this circumstance you're in, you want his will to be done, even though you're doing your best to figure out what would be a good thing to do, you're still 
telling God you want his will to be done. Just imagine the father saying, now that's a prayer I love to hear. That's a prayer I love to hear. I know they're in a tough spot. I know they're confused. I know they can't see the future. They don't know all the ins and outs of the situation they're in. They're, they're wanting relief. They're wanting help. They're wanting something, a blessing for this person. But they, in the midst of it, are still saying, but Father, thy kingdom come, your will be done. So a well-handled prayer is always consistent with the Lord's prayer. A well-handled prayer is always consistent with the Lord's example. That incredible example of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, where really the suffering of God's wrath upon sin was right in front of him. He said, oh, Father, if you could just find another way, if this cup could be removed from me, because it, he understood it in a way that you and I could never understand what it really meant to suffer the wrath of God upon sin on himself. But then he came to that point, as desperately as he would like to be, have that taken away. He said, nevertheless, your will be done, not my will. And that's a, That's a tough moment for us weakened human beings, us fleshly influenced human beings. Jesus was the perfect man and he still came to a point of agony to say it. Father, let this go away. Nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. Now, that is a well-handled prayer from the Son of God himself. And we need to let him be our example. Hear the Father say, I love it. I love it when my children willingly submit themselves to my will and ways. Because God's will and ways are always the best. I love it when they pray that way. Third thing, a well-handled prayer is always consistent with the Spirit's leading. The Holy Spirit never leads us to pray any dumb things. The Holy Spirit just puts feelings and impressions within us that when, and some of the feelings and impressions he puts within us is that our impression is that God's will should be done. That would be the best of all. And that God's will rather than our will, we should never let our will overcome what we might sense is God's will or just knowing there is a will of God that we might not know anything about. But it will be good and right and it's the thing that we should desire. Well, the Spirit nudges us in that direction all the time. And then occasionally the Holy Spirit just puts right in your heart something to pray for. Something specific to say. Through the years, people might say, the Lord laid on my heart uh, to pray for you. They may tell us later. It may be somebody who says, right in the midst of this situation, it was almost like God just spoke right out of heaven and said, ask this. And you did. In response to the Holy Spirit who's giving you that word, that impression. Paul says, 
The Spirit of God knows the Father's will perfectly. So Galatians 5.25, he says, keep in step with him. Keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit knows the Father's will. The Spirit knows our needs. And when we trust him and keep in step, our prayers become powerful and effective. Now here's the third observation. Handling prayer, or only the righteous can possibly handle prayer well. Handling prayer well means praying prayers that are consistent with biblical teaching. And thirdly, handling prayer well results in powerful and effective outcomes. Now that's just a flat out promise. That's exactly what James is saying. A well handled prayer. It creates peace and confidence in the prayer. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Those outcomes will be in fulfillment of God's revealed will. Now, James went back 700 years to find his proof text, to find his example. He picked out an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah. Everybody in James' day, all the Jews knew Elijah. Elijah would someday appear on the mountain of, well, did appear on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus. He was a great, great, great Old Testament prophet, an example of one that the Spirit of God was powerfully upon. And James gives an example. He says why the, righteous prayer, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Just think about Elijah. He prayed for three and a half years. It didn't rain. Now, if you go back to the book of 1 Kings and read chapter 17 and 18, you'll discover the rest of the story. Elijah didn't just come up with that prayer on his own. Elijah was dealing with a, a king of the half kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel. They had really broken away from the people of God, broken away from the truths of God. They were... They were saying they were believers in the God of Israel, but they also had false religion, and it was just a big mess. But Elijah was a true prophet of God living in the northern kingdom. And he goes to the king. Ahab was the name. And, and Ahab was a... Oh. The Old Testament says measured other kings by... They weren't as bad as Ahab. Or they were as bad as Ahab. He became the standard of really a rebellious, sinful, phony king. But he recognized Isaiah was a prophet of the one true God. And Isaiah came to him. And there was a great showdown. You remember the prophets of Baal were gathered together and fire came down from heaven when Isaiah prayed for that and, and a great destruction and judgment from God came upon them. But in this case, it says there, the Lord told Elijah to go to Ahab and say, it will not rain for three and a half years. That was a word from God. That was God revealing his will. Isaiah believed what God said. He went to Ahab and he said that. And it did not rain for three and a half years. James tells us there was prayer from Isaiah that was part of that. 
Elijah, who would I say? Isaiah. Gee. Is Elijah. <laughs> Isaiah was another good guy. He said, it will not rain for three and a half years. He didn't really tell him when it was going to start. We don't have the details. I would imagine when Elijah was praying, he's making something specific. He's praying about what God had said. And James says, in response to his prayer, what God had said began to happen. And then you read back through the story by chapter 18. God then tells Elijah that the time is up. And he's going to send rain again. And Elijah's part of that. And the rain begins again. Thunderous rain. James says, prayers of righteous people are like that. They bring powerful results. They are effective. Now, here's something I'd share with you. We don't always know what those results are. We don't always know what result comes from the prayers we pray. I believe some of you in this room today are here in this room today because somebody who is no longer living prayed that you would come to a place someday where you gave yourself to Christ. And they died without you having done that yet. And they might have died at times thinking, you know, this prayer is going nowhere. This prayer is not being heard. This prayer, I, I, I truly trust the Lord. I don't see where there's any power or effectiveness in this prayer that I've been praying for this person. And their life comes to an end. And here you are this morning. You've become one who loves God, one who follows God, one who gave your heart to Christ. And the one praying for you never knew that those prayers were going to have a powerful impact. Sometimes we get to see them. Elijah saw the rain stop three and a half years, not even any dew from the ground. And then he saw the rain start. And you got to see all of that. Sometimes we get to see what our prayers have accomplished. But that isn't what makes them good prayers. The righteous person who comes to God and sincerely petitions God for something that is biblically sound and right, God's word says that prayer is powerful. Don't you ever think it's, it's not working? It's just not working yet. It's not working in the way that maybe you picture it. But the prayer of a righteous person brought to the holy God is powerful and effective, and we just let it rest, as it were, in God's hands. And so the outcome will always be in fulfillment of God's revealed will. And the outcome, as we say here, we may or may not ever be aware of. But don't quit praying. Because God is the one who determines that outcome. And so our final thought says this, prayers prayed by born-again believers bring powerful results even if they, those results, are never known by the one who's doing the praying. Those who handle prayer well, they just count on that. 
They just count on that. They say, I have brought a need before God and I have given it to him and I am trusting him and I will wait on him for his will to be done because that's what I want. And I will rest in that. Is there some prayer you're praying now or that you've been praying for a while? Satan would try to discourage you. Say, I don't see anything happening. And that might be true. Nothing's happening yet. But if you're one of God's own and you are bringing your need, your concern, your heartache even to the Heavenly Father who loves you deeply and who is involved in in this entire world's process, you trust him with it. Because your prayer, according to God's own word, is a powerful prayer and it will be an effective prayer. And you can trust God with it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this ancient word. We thank you for the example. If we had time, we we could have many people in this room give examples of those who have prayed for them, people they have prayed for, people they're, they're raising conditions, they're raising in prayer right now. Father, help us to know that every prayer we pray as a child of God is powerful and effective. None of them are wasted. They come before you and you treasure them. And sometimes your spirit has stimulated us to pray it because the the answer is coming right now. Other times your spirit has stimulated us because they're just the right things to pray. They are consistent with your will. And we are eager to see your will done more so than any will we have ourselves. And so, Father, we, we allow those prayers to just remain, as it were, on the books until the time is right, until the will of God is ready to be revealed. Father, I thank you for the way your will has been revealed in so many of us in so many ways over the years, beginning with our salvation itself. And now we pray we might just know deep inside how wonderfully trustworthy you are and how you treasure the prayers of your people. And so we will continue to pray. We pray this now. In Jesus' name. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.